Hello, hello, hello everyone. This is Demia Avery and welcome to yet another episode of What You Do in Wilmington. This podcast is designed to shed light on the positive people, places, and things here in the beautiful city of Wilmington, North Carolina. You can catch a different episode on Sundays and Thursdays. You know, originally I published only one episode per week, but there is so much to talk about in this city of ours. And Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the emails, the texts, the inboxes. Y'all are amazing. Y'all have been requesting more. So first, let me say how humbled I am by that. You like me, you like me. (laughs) And secondly, it tells me that you all appreciate the mission. And not only is it my hope to contribute and give back to what the city and you all have given me, But my intent is to help encourage and motivate others to do what they love, as well as recognize those who give of themselves every day to everyone. No matter how big or how small, I see you. I see you. I see you. We see you. And it's good to be recognized. It's good to be seen. So anyways, let's get into it. Speaking of the positive people, places, and things, this episode is going to be fire. The title of this episode is called, When It's Your Time, It's Your Time. When it's your time, it is your time. Can't nobody take it away from you. It is yours. So of course, I had to start this episode by mentioning a feel-good moment. And actually, it's a very personal one for me. And I'm sure that you know you all or somebody out there can identify what I'm about to say. So Anyways, there are some mornings that I love going to the beach. I love going very early. I love watching the sunrise. And it's so quiet and so peaceful. The only noise that I hear when you go that early in the morning are the waves coming from the ocean. And you see a few people trickle in, but not enough to interrupt your flow. You know what I mean? So it's really nice to do that. And I used to do it quite often. And just be in the moment, you know, just take the time like, But lately, I've gotten so used to like posting like on my social medias, all of my many moments and everything that I'm doing that I took some time away from my personal time, my personal moment. What I mean is instead of just enjoying the waves and the vibe, I would take my phone out. I began to start taking my phone out and recording it and put it in on Facebook Live and on my Instagram. And, you know, that's cool because sometimes I just love sharing the beauties of God. I just love sharing that that vibe. And sometimes I feel like, you know, other people need something or want something to take their mind off of their everyday stuff that they do, you know, but I noticed when I started to try to relax after that, I take those photos and videos, I couldn't, I couldn't because my mind was racing. My mind was in business mode, you know, and all I kept thinking about was my next post. What was I going to post? So I was missing, you know what I mean? I was missing it. I was missing everything around me for focusing on, um, outside things. I was missing that part of the piece that I enjoyed so much. So I couldn't even put my phone down. It was it was really tripping me out. And even when I wasn't recording, I would constantly check my phone, constantly scroll through social media, constantly. So to make a long story short, yesterday I decided, okay, Demia, you're going to enjoy this moment. It's beautiful weather out here. It's just the right piece. And I left my phone in the car. And when I tell y'all that I enjoyed myself, it was absolutely the best. I took in every sight. I even saw some dolphins jumping in the water. And probably if I'd had my phone, I probably would have missed the moment. You know, so the moral of this is sometimes, y'all, you just got to unplug. You got to unplug. You got to put the outside world out just for at least for a second. And I'm using this as a metaphor because, you know, there are so many instances where um, we don't take the time out to seize the moment. You know what I mean? Um, So you got to take the time to unplug, do what you need to do to center yourself, even if it's for an hour, heck, half an hour. Enjoy that moment. Take the time because you are important, too. 
Your well-being is important. Your peace is important. And we have all day, all week, all month, all year to give ourselves to other things. And not to say they're bad things, it's just other things outside ourselves. So just, if you can, carve out a moment for yourself. So that's my message for today. I hope that helps someone and encourages someone or, or sheds light on somebody that you know that needs to take the moment out for themselves. And people that you are around, if you notice that they never do that, allow them that moment. You know, if you're living with a relative or something like that, that a person's just go, 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 go all of the time, allow them that moment. Just say, you know what, mom, you know what, sister, I'm going to leave you alone for this half hour, this hour, let you have your time. You know, so let the responsibility be on all of us to to help one another in that way. Anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox. All right, so let's get into our first highlight of the show. So um, I was scrolling through Facebook one day and I began to see these different posts about this magazine called Wilma, W-I-L-M-A. And you know, as you begin to pay attention to something or you focus on it, you see it all the time. It's kind of like you ever talk about a car that you saw that you loved and you thought it was amazing. And all of a sudden you see that car everywhere you go. It's like that. I kept seeing this magazine pop up and then I began to see all these posts that congratulated several women that, and then some of them, I was familiar with their names. And of course it made me pay attention even more. And as I checked it out even further, um, I saw that they had postings about their 2021 Women to Watch Awards. And I was like, how awesome is that? And I know that there are uh, times and magazines and stuff like that that I, that award um, women in, in whatever capacity. But something about that, them they had so many. It wasn't just one or two people. It was, it was like several. And I loved it when I, uh, I love anyone that recognizes anybody for their accomplishments, but I especially love issues that shed highlight on phenomenal, phenomenal women. I do, of course, because I'm a woman. (laughs) So of course I joined the bandwagon. I congratulated those in the comments that were being recognized. So Anyways, later on in the day, I had some things I had to do, and I promised that I was going to check this out even more later because I had not actually read the magazine. I just, you know, saw different posts. I said, okay, I'll check it out a little later, get more into detail because it looked very interesting. And so I went to Harris Teeter and I went to pick up a few groceries. And as I was walking out of the store, there the magazine was. There it was just sitting in my face. I was like, oh, you know that music. It was the women to watch issue. And I said, yes. So immediately when I got home, and that's a sign too, like, okay, you need to pick up this magazine. So anyways, when I got home, I went through the pages. And just as I thought, y'all know my word for describing everything is amazing. I need to get some more words. <laughs> Y'all give me some more words. But anyway, first off, I love the calendar. The calendar. The cover. I love the cover. It was simple and it's elegant and it's glam at the same time. I love simplicity. So it was, um, as I went through the pages, I noticed a lot about it. I, first of all, I noticed how detailed it was. When I opened it up, and it one of the one of the first pages I, I don't know maybe page five or six it opened up talking about the magazine's upsta- update to include um, them talking about their mentoring program their leadership institute their members network their social media so with in that page it told me a lot about who they were who they are from the beginning you know and so I kept reading it it highlighted so many different women entrepreneurs, uh, professionals, those who serve others, volunteers, so much. And I loved it. I I did. I love it. And it was truly a variety of women. And that's what I was like, yes, it was women from all walks of life that, you know, from the city, just saying thank you for who you are, what you've done and what you're doing now to contribute not only to the city of Wilmington, 
but in the lives of so many others. So kudos to all of the women who are being recognized. So proud of us. Yes, I am. Now, there are other things that I loved about the magazine. They honor and display businesses in the area, um, of course, by ads, but also by articles as well. They had fashion in there, and I was like, okay, I really like this. Um, whoever does the photography, yes, you are just wonderful. It is so crisp and so clean. And they even talk about uh, technology. They had an article about technology as it relates to the pandemic that we're in. So it's also informative. So I say all of that to say I will be a regular Wilma reader. I'm going to post their links and everything at the bottom of this podcast. So if you haven't checked them out or you've been meaning to, I invite you to enjoy yourself. Enjoy this magazine. Pick it up. Pick it up. I like it. I don't know about y'all. I mean, this digital stuff is great and it's it's easily accessible, but sometimes you need something in your hand. And what I'm going to do, uh, Wilma, if you're listening, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a couple of copies of this particular uh, magazine. And so one I'm going to keep to read. And the other one, I'm going to actually take the cover off and then I'm going to frame it. And I'm going to put it somewhere here in my office because I enjoy it so much. And, and also, it'll look good in my office. <laughs> it'll look good in my office. So anyways, guys, pick up a copy or go digital or follow them on all of their links. It's absolutely worth it. All right. So let's get into our next highlight. I'm so excited about this, y'all. So as many... Uh, of you know, I've only been in Wilmington about a year. Do you consider me a newbie still? I guess. I, but anyways, being an ex-publicist, well, I guess that doesn't really matter. But what I've learned in business is, and especially in a new area, your best bet is to seek out the key players in that area. The people who are doing things and or doing things that you desire to do so you can learn from them. So you can you know, grow. You can see the lay of the land, so to speak. Also, seek out like-minded people, y'all. That It keeps you motivated. I swear it does. And, you know, surround yourself with people that uh, do and want the same things that you do. So anyways, I ran across this gentleman, my special guest, radio personality, personality uh, DJ and program director of Coast 97.3, Brandon Big B Hickman, and just looking at his social media, I can easily tell how big of an influence he has in this community. And not only that, how this community has an influence on him. So I just had to take the time out and I had to inbox him and I introduced myself. That's something that I've learned to do. Y'all, I tell y'all more about my shy nature because you wouldn't think I was shy, but I actually am. But anyways, I, I I know that sometimes you have to kind of assert yourself, not in an aggressive manner, but just introduce yourself. So when I did, y'all, he was so nice and he was so responsive. And I would ask him questions about the city. I know he was like, what in the world? I would ask him questions about the city, about who's who and what's what. And he would always help me out. Well, as much as he could, you know, given his time, you know, so... Thank you, Big B, for wanting a sister to grow. Thank you so much. He could have easily, y'all, just ignored my inboxes and said, look at here, little yellow girl. <laughs> Stop asking me stuff. <laughs> Stop asking me stuff. But he didn't. So thank you, Big B. Thank you, Big B, for being a great person, a gracious person. So anyway, y'all, I had to ask him, would he consider being on my show? And he said, I would be honored. And I was like, what? That's great. That is great. So sometimes y'all, y'all just got to ask. We're going to talk about that too. So anyway, one, one of these days. So anyways, I asked, he said, yes. And I can't wait for you guys, you guys to hear my interview with him. It was, it was just great. It was just great. So here is my interview with one of the hardest working men in Wilmington. Brandon B. Hickman. Are you ready to join the billion dollar podcasting industry? 
If so, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is ready for you. Whether you're just starting out and have no equipment or you are a seasoned pro but need help with production, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio has everything you need. Conveniently located in Middletown, Delaware, Blake's state-of-the-art production facilities make producing your first or 100th podcast a breeze. No matter what kind of project you have in mind, the professionals at Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio can help with your production or give you the tools to produce it on your own. At the heart of Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is award-winning blogger, vlogger, and CEO Antoinette Blake. And her goal is simple, to help one more entrepreneur be successful. So stop making excuses and start making your podcast, audiobook, e-course, and other online dreams come true. Call Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio now. 302-261-3530. That's 302-261-3530. Hello, everyone. This is Demia Avery with What You Do in Wilmington, and I am absolutely honored about today's guest on the show. I've been following him for a minute, and for those who have lived here forever, you have had the pleasure of listening and talking and dancing to whatever he's spinning. Welcome to the show, Brandon Bigby Hickman from Coast 97.3. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome. That was a great intro. Oh, you like it? Yeah. (laughs) I try to do my thing. I try to do my thing. Yeah. Listen, I'm so glad that you're able to take the time out to talk to us uh, today. I know you're a busy guy. This is such a blessing. So I appreciate it so much. You know, so... Listen, man, listen. My job with this podcast is to make sure that I do my research on all the guests that comes on my show. So my worry with you was you are doing and have done so much that it's impossible to talk about everything. And my show is not that long. So (laughs) so I'm going to do my best to try to condense it and to make sure that we talk about some things. Is that okay? That's fine. Let's do it. All right. So, of course, I want you to talk about how you got on the radio and things like that. But one thing when I was doing my research that I discovered, it was something about you that I saw and you recently posted. And I guess it was a picture of you and some bandmates from New Hanover High School. Were you I guess you were a musician, right? What instrument did you play? Oh, wow. I played trombone and um, I actually... I played trombone at New Hanover High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, before then, I played trombone. And uh, I was in a band at New Hanover High School. I was the drum major. And then uh, I got a scholarship to Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, wow. And that, pro- that, probably, that picture probably was uh, my bandmates from Norfolk. But, okay, uh, okay, okay. Cool. You're probably right. You're probably right. I just saw where I saw somewhere it said New Hanover High School. So I maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. From New Hanover to, to from New Hanover High School to to Norfolk was a big jump for me, being a kid from you know a smaller town at that time, Wilmington, and jumping into a university situation. You know, you kind of feel that you was a man. Right. You know, when you was in high school, and then they drop you in with all these <laughs> other great. <laughs> All these other great musicians, and I was super intimidated, and um, I had to live up to the hype. I had to actually, you know, stay up real late and learn stuff and and get things squared away so I could be as, I guess, as close to the level of the musicianship I could be in Norfolk. But it it turned out to be great. But now, what I do know about Southern State, if you were drum major... Look, <laughs> you weren't playing. You couldn't play. You had to be disciplined with that stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But you know, I was drumming for two years, so you kind of you you don't have the horn as much. You uh-huh. don't have the horn in your mouth as much, and so you know when you go to North, you go to university, you start all over again. Okay. And so you know, I had to had to get it back together. <laughs> I know that's right. And listen, yeah. I come from my family originally. My family, you know how they say, my family is from Jackson, Mississippi. So you know, okay. My sister went to Alcorn. 
Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so we all know the, the level of, of playing in the band, what you have to do. You know what I mean? Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, my sister went to Alcorn. It's cool, you know what I'm saying. My my grandmother on my father's side is from um, Vicksburg, Mississippi. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where the uh, casinos are. I I kind of one hundred percent on the river, <laughs> on the river. You're right. Yeah. So, do you have a musical family? Where did that music love for music come from? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have a musical family. You know, my my grandmother sang. Okay. You know, and my mom sang. And my uncle, uh, my uncle sang. I mean, it was funny, but I don't yeah. know if you could sing. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know. I was, in, I was interested in, in playing trombone. I think when I was in, you know, fifth, sixth grade, and it went from there. Wow. Um, she just exposed me to a lot. Uh, I was, I was able to. Um, I had best of both worlds. I, I marched in, a, you know, a core band, and um, and I was a part of the drum and drill community boys and girls club drum and drill team. So, you know, I got the best of both worlds. I could see the HBCU style. I could see the core yeah. the military style. So, um, that was a blessing for me because I enjoyed both, both ways. And, and being my mom, um, graduated from HBCU, you know, I saw that all the time, you know, she yeah. was always taking me there. Yeah. And you know what? People don't understand, um, Many don't understand. I, of course, I can't see everybody, but many don't understand the importance of the arts in school. It, it seems oh, like, yeah, it seems like it's always the first program that that goes away. It you know in the school yeah. system and cut the band, yeah, yeah, cut the band, cut the band. And I understand it all too well because when I was in college, I went to uh, Cheney University in Pennsylvania. Okay. When I was in college, I too was a musician. I was, well, I was a vocalist. I had a four-year music scholarship that, to make a long story short, that ended up getting cut in half, you know? And um, so that deterred me from a lot of different things, you know? So it, it's just, but when I was in the arts, it, it taught me so much about, I guess this is bringing back to the point, about um, learning and educating myself and the the art of working with others. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it does. It, I mean, it's a you know, it's not a sport, but it is a team sport. Yeah. Um, because yeah. everybody has a specific role that they play, and if you don't play that part, it, you don't hear it. You know, or or it doesn't get done, and and that's very important. It also, you know, socially, you know, you. You you're with these people all the time through practice mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. travel and you know and socially these people become some of your best friends. That's right. Do you still communicate with with a lot of your um, bandmates and stuff from school? Oh man, do we? Yes. <laughs> I think I think I'm more family with my 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 Norfolk State folks. Like that's more my family. Uh, but you know, I really feel that you know connected to my high school mates too. My classmates are. You know, some of my classmates that are still here in Wilmington are are real cool with me as well. And it just wasn't bad. It's just like we went to school together and, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we made it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So, so are you so originally cool. from here, though? Are you originally from Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Wilmington. They don't make too many of us anymore. So we, <laughs> I'm originally, I am originally from Wilmington, North Carolina, born and raised. Love it. Love it. So, yeah. so what's your journey? How did you end up? I mean, this is, I know this is a long story. So how did you end I up? I can make it quick. <laughs> okay. How did you being program director for a major radio station? And I hate to use the word end up being, because that means you stopped. I mean, how did you, how did you um, expand that role of uh, program? That's always, that's always a great question. I actually, I'm actually come from, now I do, I do come from a family of educators. Now that ah, is true. Okay. Uh, so my mom taught for like 40 some years mm. and, um, and, I, and my, my cousin, Dr. Charlotte Rollins, she taught um, in, in New York City and was on the Board of Education. Okay. And so I went to school. I wanted to get into music. And my mother was like, you better get you a, <laughs> you better get you, you better get you a real degree. And I was like, wait a minute, mom, don't, don't, don't play me like that. So I, I actually majored in business with a minor in music media. And... Um, I had an education certification. I got that from the Citadel in Charleston. So oh. actually, I taught school, um, huh. and that was my very first thing. Um, after my after my um, stepfather passed away, 
um, I moved back to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And in here in Wilmington, I started teaching at Murray Middle School. And I had always been into the music and, and doing promotional stuff and uh, doing parties for the kids at the club, at the boys club. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a thing on the online saying, hey, we're looking for a street team. I said, wow, that would be a great thing for our kids at the club to do because they always throw in their own they always throwing their own parties. Like, what if they really, really learn how to do it? And I had wrote, written this grant mm-hmm. for them to uh, through the Source magazine to to get some funds. And okay. so I bought. Um, I met. I met um, the midday Miss Sandra, and uh, I said, "Yo, I got some kids that um, could could help with the tenth anniversary of Coast, yada yada." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Yo, we use the we they use those kids." and uh, to to promote and to get folks in the building and they some of the kids even performed and after it the program director who's a guy named philip david shouts to opd mm-hmm. um uh, we call him opd the original p diddy and philip <laughs> philip um i think it's in louisville now but philip was like yo we we like the kids and that's cool but we want you to come on and be a, a promotions a guy in promotions on the street team Okay. And I was like, all right, cool. And so from there, I probably was in a month, and he was like, hey, I need you to work on Friday night. I was like, Friday night? All right. So I'm thinking I got to go to a football game because that's what I was doing. I was in the street, and he was like, nah, I need you to run the ball. I need you to get on the air. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's been history. So I, I started doing this show called A Sunday Old School Session where we played uh, nothing but old school hip-hop and R&B. Me and my man DJ Said. Shots to DJ Said from Myrtle Beach. Okay. And uh, we kind of started around the same time. He might have started maybe four or five months before I did. And we were on every Sunday from four to six. That was my time. Okay. And and then I kind of moved into a night position uh, with my homeboy, Medi Medi, where I was, Medi Medi was funny and I was kind of the straightforward guy. So I would teach school during the day uh-huh. and, then come, and then come get on the radio from seven to midnight. Um, right. And I did, I did that for a couple of years. Medi left and then I became the night guy. And that's how that all turned into me being on the radio. So I became the night guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for several years. And um, and then my PD at that time, his name is Lou Bennett. He's in Memphis. Shouts to Lou Bennett, Big Lou. Okay. And Lou Lou left, and he went to Nacogdoches. Uh, Nacogdoches. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he's in Memphis now, but Lou was like, yo, you need to apply. I'm leaving. You need to apply for the program director job. Okay. And I was like, man, they don't hire people from the city they usually bring people in from other places. Right. And so I, I applied for it. I had a cool interview. They called me back. And then at the time, the GM was a guy named Jim Principe. Jim was like, be careful what you what you wish for. And I said, what? He said, come to my office. And he's like, hey, we want to offer you this job. Wow. Yeah. And that was like in May. And I was still, at that time, there was no PD. I was kind of acting PD uh-huh. and, and teaching school. And so that was the hardest thing I had to do was kind of leave my kids. And the hardest thing to do is tell my, my mom, like, I'm not going to be teaching anymore. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. She didn't, she's looking at she you was like, side eye, I'm sure. She was like, you are, you are a black male educator. And I was like, yes, ma'am. But I can affect more kids this way. And, uh-huh. so, and so she finally saw it. She actually saw it one time when I came to her school. Because mm-hmm. my mom was still teaching at that time. She was teaching at... Um, uh, Myrtle Grove Middle School, and I came to her school for like a pet rally or something, and talked about education, and you know the kids went crazy, and she she finally saw exactly how I could affect change in yeah. in this particular uh, excuse me in this particular role. So that that's kind of the story, and I've been PD since then, and uh, it, it's been okay. Um, we just try to continue to 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 be the culture. Yeah, uh, we don't want to change it, but we want to be the culture. We want to grow with the culture. Um, and you know from be the smorgasbord for urban radio in the city got it so let me ask you this um now that i'm I'm hearing the actual story of how you've you, you know that you landed into that role and it was something definitely new to you um in the in the beginning of that stages uh what were some of the struggles that you had was it i mean you had to learn about that position and did you have a lot of struggles with that 
<laughs> oh man, did uh time management all the time. It's always time management, you know, because you have so many things you have to do as a program director. You have to make sure the website's running, you gotta make sure your promos and your promotions are running on the air and online. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that time we start jumping into streaming. So we were, you know, you kind of you're kind of managing two radio stations because what you hear on the stream sometimes is not necessarily what you hear on live. Right. Uh, but we we were I was doing that. Uh, we got into a new system at that time, so I'm calling people. You know, I'm calling different people, uh, different program directors in in the company and outside the company, asking for suggestions. So I just used the resources and the relationships that I had to the core DJs and and mm. friends and in in the industry. Um, yeah. And they helped me out a lot. Um, and I kind of try to pay homage to them as, as, you know, if they need something, I try to make sure I'm there for some type of conference or a panel. I just try to show up because yeah. they had no problem saying, hey, do this, do that. Um, right. Think about doing this. And then the other part was um, trying to have time to be creative. Um, because mm -hmm. you, you get into the rigmarole uh, of uh, adding music and making sure people on time and managing people right. and managing your, managing the station. And, but mm -hmm. you have to have time to be creative, too, because that's what it is. Radio is being creative. And it's it's not really the songs. The songs are stars. But those things in between the songs, those those little uh. drops and, and the things that people say, um, the big voice guy that talks in between, like you kind of manage that. So you want folks, when you're listening to, to the station during the day, you want to kind of tell a story. You go from the morning show into the um, into the uh, to the middays, and that yeah. midday person, you want to play music that you can play in a doctor's office, and then you come to my show in the afternoon. You want to kind of get everybody home, and right. then at night, at night we turn it back up. We you know we go to ten. So you want somebody in that position that's going to be. I don't, I don't want to necessarily say wow, but you know they're really they're really really really. Uh, I'm not gonna. I say wow. Wow. <laughs> I say they wide open. I say right. wide open. So you know sometimes it's anything that goes and they walk that line because people want to have fun at night. They want to hear. You don't want to be funny. They want to hear new music, and right. that's 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 where that's where we were at. And um, mm. there there was some struggles, okay. But I think uh, I think uh, going to conferences and mm. and being around other PDs and you know the help of my staff, I think I was able to to make it. Well, you know what? You brought up a good point uh, and two good points actually. The production of it all, because we don't we don't ever think about what goes in between all of that i mean you know from the from the outside looking in all we hear is you know the music is played this is played and then somebody comes on and they and they say what they you know a dj comes on and they say what they have to say but we don't ever think about it as being a creative like an art to doing that so thank you for bringing that yeah bringing and in, if i can in the building like in in this particular building, I had a lot of counseling from. I call her my radio mother, and that was Rhonda Bellamy. You know what I mean? So uh -huh. she she did. Uh, and at that time, when uh -huh. I became a PD, um, before then, she had been the news director for okay. all for all the stations of Cumulus. She was the news director, and I'm thinking of almost 20 years. She had been like she actually turned on Coast 97.3 in 1992. Like they turned it on. Hmm. Okay. So she had been in the game for a minute. And so for me, for my office to be directly across from her office, she would come in and say, Hey B, you need to do so and so. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I would I would I would I would definitely and I say that to say that everybody needs some type of mentor, mentee situation because that helps out so much. Um, even though she wasn't <clears throat> directly in the music part, um, just the way to navigate inside of the building. Right. A lot of that knowledge came from um, Rhonda. You know, I have yet to meet her. I actually, before I moved out here um, in Wilmington, I've only been here a year. And um, before I moved out here, I actually was uh, communicating back and forth by email with her because I was just letting okay. her know that I was coming to the city. And she was always very, very nice and very welcoming. And um, we had said, you know, that we'll get together once I get here. And I know that her, her schedule is bananas. So uh, but I hear so much about her. So Rhonda Bellamy, if you're, you're listening, we still got to get together. Yeah, put Rhonda on. Rhonda, Rhonda, um, because we for those couple years, mm -hmm. those four or five years that we our office was across from each other. Um, I wound up becoming a part of the, the um, Black Arts Alliance. 
because mm. uh, she okay. was the president. She was the president of the Black Arts Alliance. She was the founder and president, and then she went on to become. Uh, she she said, "B, I need you to be a part of uh, of the North Carolina Black Film Festival." And I'm like, "Man, Rhonda, all right, <laughs> <laughs> right." She said, I said, I don't know about putting movies together. She said, no, don't you like watching movies? I said, yeah. She was like, well, you just look at them and you give your opinion. And, you know, if we want everybody to watch it in one weekend, then we'll do that. And so uh, one day she put all these films on my desk and was like, I need for you to look through all these films. You need to watch them. I'm like, what? She said, yeah, you're getting ready to be on uh, the president of Black Arts Alliance. I said, no. Oh my she, said, yes. <laughs> she said, yes, you are. And next thing I know, Rhonda is the, she became the director of the arts council of wilmington yeah. and she said well i gotta step down because i can't i can't be the arts council of wilmington president and the North Carolina black or, or the uh, black arts alliance and that's how that all happened wow that's how, I, that's how i became the president of the black arts alliance like so she she is definitely um uh, uh, a change agent in the in the city i see that i see that and in, in the city and in your life for sure 100 percent 100 i pay I, I pay homage i pay homage to the folks to help me out i know that's right and that actually brings me to uh, another point how important it is and and you can um expound on this how important it is uh to cultivate relationships and not just you know a lot of people what i've noticed now is a lot of people when they you know they meet each other they get what they need from each other and they roll out but what I've found is that when you meet someone um, that you have synergies with, you know, and that can help you and you can help them to keep those relationships because you never know what you're going to need and who you're going to need. Wouldn't you say so? I agree. I think relationships are a big part, especially in my industry. Mm -hmm. I think I think relationships are a major part of how you get some business done. I will even say that in Wilmington, period. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's like how money, how much money you have, and and what power you have. I think it's a lot of has to do with who you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think those relationships help, um, help foster some great partnerships in the city. Yeah. And I think that's that's major. You know, um, there was there was a time I always tell this this story where I I was upset here at the station because Chief Evangelist, at the time, the chief of police was um, a guy named Chief Ralph Evangelist. Mm -hmm. And Chief had said, um, Chief Chief Evangelist had said something. It, it was it was an incident um, at a nightclub, and he had said something that I didn't like about hip-hop. Okay. And I got on the phone with a, a, star, a star news writer, and I was like, yo, get Chief on the phone. I want to talk to him. I need him to come here and let's put him on the radio. I want an apology or I need him to tell him what he really meant. And uh, I was so upset. Mm -hmm. But he came, He what he did was he came. He came to the station and okay. we sat down for like an hour interview on live mm -hmm. and we talked about hip hop and we talked about uh, and I told him I was upset. I said, man, Chief, I was upset that you said that, you know, hip-hop hip -hop was a bunch of thug music, blah, blah, blah. And, and we went back and forth. But when he came in the building, he had done his research about some hip-hop that was not that was not that genre. Right. And he apologized. And off the air, and I always say this off the air because we had a conversation on there. And off the air, he said, B, I was just upset at that time. And I said, you know what? I accept that, Chief E. And then, then I gave him a name. So we didn't call him Chief Evangelist. We called him Chief E because everybody come through Coast gets a name. So I was like, you know, you're Chief E now and anything you need, let's know. And that relationship, mm -hmm. that relation, our relationship changed into, hey, B, can you come here to the police department? We want to talk about a situation. B, what do you think about this? We need to get this out and we need to tell your listeners what's going on, your demographic, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And I even got Chief to, to walk in my Rip the Runway uh, fashion show, wow. so it, it was it was it was cool. So you think you know when you think about relationships, I always refer back to that story how I was upset with Chief, really didn't know him, but mm -hmm. when we when we had our first sit down, we kind of created a relationship where I could call him on his cell and be like, "Yo, I need some help. What do you think about this?" Da da da, and he was like, "What do you need, B?" And I think if we do more of that. Yeah. Or when we do more of that, mm -hmm. I think we get the desired outcomes. I I I 
so agree with that and that that on so many different levels because a lot of the time um without getting too deep into it a lot of the time we're it's just a misunderstanding a lot of time if we just take the time out and just listen to what the other person uh, has to say and what their views are and actually listen not just hear them you know what i mean and just actually right. listen to them a, a lot of a lot of peace can be made out of that you know what i mean yeah um, I, I I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. So listen, during this time, I have to ask you: uh, during this pandemic time, how have you been able to manage? Because I know it's been a trip with you know, um, with the station as well as being able to. I know you DJ on outside events as well. How is, how have you been able to manage that? Oh man, that's a great question as well. Um, with March. March 14th, I remember I was sitting right where I'm sitting right now at the station and they was like, hey, we got to go home at the end of the day, like, but we're not coming back. <laughs> and they was like, you need to get us a computer and we're going to, what's going to happen is we get ready to set your computer up so you can dial into the station from your, from your home. And so I was like, oh, okay, this would be cool. It'll be a couple months. You know, and then we'll be back. <laughs> All right. You know, so I go home, I set up, and uh, we'll be back in a couple months. And I'm on the air, and I'm doing it live from my house. Mm -hmm. And then next thing I know, it's like, oh, those couple months turned into like six months and seven months. And now, being that I'm an extrovert, I started to get depressed. Yeah. I, I was getting depressed. I was sitting at home, and I'm eating, and I can't go anywhere, and it's you know, there's nothing open. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm, I'm Netflix to death, and I'm, mm. it was it was it was I think it was tough yeah. for someone that's an extrovert. I think it was tough. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like somebody put you in a box. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to get out. Sometimes I just want to leave. I just want to get up and just drive. And I did that a couple, you know. And I, I I'm I'm not even front. Mm. I had to go to therapy. Like I had to go to therapy, and I had to get up and like yo. My uh, therapist was like, you need to get up every day and go somewhere. Like, it was just drive, just drive somewhere, drive mm -hmm. to the old neighborhood, just drive. You don't even got to get out. Just drive, park, sit there for a minute, you know, come back home because you just need to change your scenery. And I think that's your, that was your problem. I just was stuck in one spot. And then it, it's almost more work. It seems like it's more work because uh, everything that I would do live, I had to pre-record. So I just couldn't come in and do my mix at 12 like i had to pre-record my mix mm -hmm. you know a day the day before so everything was the day before a day before a day before mm -hmm. and um uh it was okay and we did really well uh and some people were like i didn't even know y'all were not in the studio and i was like yeah man we haven't been in the studio in like a year wow, wow. <laughs> so after 80 what 82 weeks uh -huh. um last week was our first week back last monday was our first first day back in the studio how, how do you feel how do you feel now that you're back Oh, I feel great. Now I'm tired. Now I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> now I want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, oh, I can't even get up and just, you know, pop out the, in, into the, the kitchen, into the, uh, the refrigerator door. I just, I just got to wait till I get home. But other than that, yeah, I feel good. I'm up and I'm back and forth. Uh, and it feels good to be in, in the studio. But it's almost awesome. like you, know, you got to get your sea legs back. So... Yeah, and listen, don't be hey, don't be gun shy about that whole therapy thing. I believe in it. I come from Oh no, nah, yeah. I'm with I it. I believe in that. Trust me. <laughs> I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. I was I was against it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. You can tell you I was against it until um my mother passed away and mm. just one day I just I just was consumed. I think I was I thought I was having a heart attack. But it was a panic. anxiety. You didn't have a panic yeah, attack. It was one hundred anxiety attack, and mm -hmm. they're like, "Have you ever saw someone?" And I was like, "Nah, I'm not crazy." And I, you know, I went into that like, "I'm not crazy." I was in seasonal therapist, and it actually helped. So I actually went, and so you know, I try to go um, before I have any type of problem. But yeah, oh, I, especially for especially for black males. I mean, we deal with so much in it and we've been told for years and years, even mm -hmm. our fathers and our grandfathers, like, you know, you know, don't show any emotion. You're strong. And, Isn't that something? And, some, and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're not. And I was, I was thinking like, what if my grandfather had therapy? What would he, I think he'd be, he'd probably be so calm. <laughs> no, my father used to be going off. He was like, "Man, chill out, man. Chill, granddaddy, chill out." And I like, I bet he would have been calm. He would be like, "All right, go ahead, do what you do." Right. 
but oh, you are so right because I, one time I had this interview with um, um, R and B uh, singer Tony Terry, okay. and. Tony and I were talking and things like that. And he had mentioned some of the same things that you're mentioning now. He had to start going into therapy. And he said he was so against it, especially he comes from a, a very uh, a church background, you know, a real religious yeah. background. When, you know, you take, it, you take it to God, you take it to church. You know what I mean? And so right. he, didn't, he didn't believe in that. But he also mentioned how men have a hard time um going to see a therapist for so many different reasons so i appreciate um when you all talk about things like that and it i'm sure that it helps other um not you know men out there that that has even thought about going to therapy you know yeah go go even if you just want to talk you just want to talk you got nobody to talk to sometimes and i'm not saying your significant other might not understand but you know some people you just want to talk yeah yeah, talking kind of create your little circle, your little tribe, and I think that's important. You know, and it so also helps to talk to somebody that 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 doesn't know you. That yeah, doesn't. They're, does. not gonna, they're not going to cuddle you. They're not going to hold you. And you just want to be able. They're going to tell you what it is, and and you know, and help you sort out whatever problems that you have. And sometimes you need somebody like that. You know. Right. Right. I agree. I totally agree. So listen, you wear so many different hats in your career, your program director, your DJ, and so many other other hats that, you know, that I'm sure I don't know much about. And you're at all these events around town and out of town. You're constantly working. You're constantly traveling. Do you ever have time for Big B? That for, is Brandon, great. for Brandon. That is I'm going to say Brandon, not Big B. Do you ever have time for Brandon? I think that's why I'm in therapy. <laughs> that's what not you know, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy the work that I do. Yeah. And I, do, I do make time. I try to make time as much as I can. Yeah. Um, I have a, a very important um person in my life, uh my son, Isaiah. Oh, hi Isaiah. So Mm-hmm. And he he's 15 years old, and I think that's important. My family period is important to me mm-hmm. uh, right now. And this last this this two week stretch, I've been kind of busy because um, of radio and us being back in the building. But we had a chance to hang out on Sunday and, okay. and watch a film. So you know, a lot of times I'm just at the house, and I think that's my downtime, just being home. Uh, when I am home, being home, mm-hmm. um, Netflixing, or eating, getting something to eat, or yeah. Know, being at the house so uh, I think my and a lot of times people say you know my home is the community I think you know it helped raise me okay. so a lot of times I, I feel comfortable when I'm in uh, it, like some people say I feel comfortable when I'm in the street you know awesome. um, mm-hmm. but but yeah I do make time for myself sometimes it's just for me you know I get up and and go watch a football game at okay. you know kickback jacks something by myself just dolo that's important, though. I think that's important, and um, some people don't understand it. But sometimes you just want to be by yourself, and then other times you don't. Know, I'm around people all the time, so mm-hmm. sometimes being by myself is cool, you know. Yeah. But if you come up to me and I'm in the restaurant, I'm going to speak. I'm going to talk to you because I think that I got to be cordial. I mean, I think everyone should be. But yeah, I do. I do make that time. It's not a lot, but I do make that time to have. It's. it's it is very important that downtime so I can recharge. I I completely understand it. And speaking of your son, um, and I want to say, uh, I, I think I saw I've seen some pictures on Facebook of of you and your son, and and you um, enjoying and spending time with him. But I also noticed that you do a lot of volunteering for for the youth. Am I right in saying that you, you do a lot yeah. of volunteering? Mm-hmm. That that is correct. Um, I grew like I said. I grew up at the Boys and Girls Club, nine hundred one Nixon Street, mm-hmm. uh, and that is definitely the home. That that was my other home. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if you, if you ever heard the safe place for kids. That was my safe space all the time. If it wasn't home, if I wasn't home, if it wasn't at school, you could. It's only three places you could find me when I was younger. You could find me at at school, home, or the Boys Club. And a lot of times boys club after school mm. so i always think i always have to pay homage there because i always have the saying even in my bio if i wasn't 
if it wasn't for the Boys and Girls Club, I'd probably be going in your house. And that has been my statement for a while. Wow. Because I just wow. think, you know, I was going down that road where I was, you know, everybody had that, that bad streak when they were younger. Yeah. And, and this particular, like, I think the club, I have to say it, like the club and Big Joe Lewis and Papa Jack, I think they saved my life. And so anything youth-oriented, I'm going to show up to because um, it was given to me so I could make it. And so I think I have to pay it forward. And that's important. And even and even to this day, um, like it's an honor for me to sit on the Boys and Girls Club board. It's an honor to be on the board yeah. um, because I've, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't know what it took, you know, mm -hmm. for Mister for Mister um, Richard and all those other folks to 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 run the club. Like they were running the club with hardly any money, but we didn't know we had fun. We was just having fun, right? And so we want to make sure that folks know that. Um, these programs and 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 and, uh, and staff members are are not free, and we want to make sure our kids get the best exposure—not <clears throat> the most, but the best exposure—when uh, they walk in those doors. Mm -hmm. And we want we want the club to not just be a haven where folks are there and kids are there, and you know, learning is going on, but just not just staying in that space, but you know, getting out and them they going on field trips and all that good stuff. So. The youth is always important to me because I always tell them, I say, hey, man, y'all got to pay my um, Social Security. I need y'all working. <laughs> right. I need y'all working, man. <laughs> that, that's important to me because if someone helped me out and they, you know, they took time with me to make yeah. sure I could make it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but no, I, I was listening to you and I got a feeling, though, um, Brandon, that even though I, I, I hear your quote, and I, it's the deepest thing, one of the deepest things I've ever heard anybody say. I got a feeling that even if you had gone down that road, you would have eventually have gotten yourself back out of it. And I say that because I heard you talk about your mother. And I've yeah. heard you talk about how heavily influenced your upbringing was. So with, you know, take, we all take things from, from the people that love us the most. You know what I mean? So... I got a feeling that you still would have been fine just going by the influence of, of how you were raised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My mom was, my mom was tough. <laughs> my mom was tough. My grandmother was the savior though. Like my grandma, <laughs> my grandmother would save me. She would save me from that, from that spanking. But <laughs> as, as grandmothers do. As yeah, grandmothers I was, do. I was raised by my grandmother and my mother and uh, my uncle and we were all in the same house. And, and, um, and then my mom got married later and uh, and bought in, you know, my, my brother now, my mm -hmm. older brother, and I have an older sister. Okay. But um, like I said, she, my mom was a Williston grad, uh, class of 1964. So, of course, she was, uh, she went to school during segregation. Mm -hmm. um, and she went to school during, you know, Jim Crow and, you know, white water fountain, black water fountain situation. So my mm -hmm. mom, she was always about, on her education tip, she was like, "You know, the only thing we had was educate. We didn't have any money, so education changed our situation." So my mom was like a first generation grad, uh, first generation college student and grad, and she she always pumped into me that, you know, if you can read, you can do anything, son. So like, you need to make sure you read everything you get, get everything you can, and read it, read it, read it, know it, learn it, um, read instructions for you. So, so my mom was crazy is my mom would buy me gifts or, or you know Santa would buy gifts for, for Christmas uh -huh. and my, my mom would take the instructions to the box on the outside uh. so I would have to read the instructions for opening gift and then I would open the gift and put put the toy together like she would never put my toys together she would she was like if you can I was read like you gonna do it you gonna do it if you want to enjoy this you gonna have to do right. this right right so that's that has been a big thing uh, um that she always did for me and she was like i said she was an amazing person um uh, and i actually saw you know i saw her i was able to see her go back to school and get a master's and um yeah because she felt it was just important that she needed it at that time and she got a national certificate teacher certification so i was able to see her do her thing and teach for 40 years and um just create relationships I, she taught parents that had 
you know, she taught kids that had, you know, kids and then their kids. So it was like, wow. Yeah. So my mom was like, you know, I was like, I want to do that or, you know, do something that I can be legendary like her. So she had a great influence over my life. And, you know, that was that was my that was my homegirl. You know, know, but I'm gonna tell you this though. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you this. She was not, and I say this all the time. My mom was not my friend. Let me go ahead and get that. <laughs> I do not. I, I do not. It. I do yeah. not think. I don't think I, I became friends with my mother until I graduated from college. <laughs> she was not my. And then even into that, like even into that, she. It was. It was a particular time. She was at my home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got real quiet. And I said, "You know what? I've been wanting to say this all my life." Yeah. And I looked at my mom. I was like, "This is my house, and if you got a problem with it." <laughs> and she just got quiet and looked at me. I was like, "Mom, I'm playing. I'm just kidding." She was still, she was still holding power at that moment because yeah. of who she was. So you know that that wow. that's why I always tell that story. But she had she was a great influence on me as far as what education is. And my grandmother was always that person that was like, "Hey, you know." speak with your man and say yes sir no sir yes mm-hmm. ma'am no ma'am that'll get you further in life than a lot of stuff so my grandmother was that person yeah uh, my grandmother was i said i only know one person sweeter than my mom and that was my grandma so that, my grandmother was a an amazing person and uh i actually had a chance to i went to you remember the movie the help yeah of course all right so i went to see this movie the help and i'm watching the movie and i'm like yo that's my grandma like that is that is wow. that that community of women. Yeah, that that was my grandma. My grandmother was clean white folks' house. Yeah, that's what she yeah. did. And I remember my mom used to drop her off. She used to have, she used to wear like a. It looked like a usher uniform almost. With with um, all the white, with all yeah, the white. Yeah, my grandmother shit did that, and I was like, and later on in life, my grandma said they did that because we was like, you know, we were like cars, like, you know. That's why we wore white. At one time, we didn't. We didn't wear that. We didn't have a uniform. We just went and you know clean people's houses. Mm. But then it was almost like you had a car. Like a maid having a, having a maid was like having a car. So you was kind of you know showing off. Like hey, I got it. You know this person. Wow. Come wow. So yeah, and I watched that. I was like, yo, man, this is totally my grandmother, yo. But my grandmother did that. You know, yeah. for 30, 40, 50 years. Oh. Uh, sent sent my mom to school and all that good stuff. But my grandmother was very humble. Uh, and very meek and she she was um, very wise amazing amazing so you had the blessing of of being raised by two beautiful women right yeah yeah and i think i think they both saw the need for the male male in my life right (laughs) that's why they sent me to the boys at that time it was the boys club when boys and girls so they used to send me to the boys club which Mm -hmm. is very important and that's why i got you know a lot of influence from from um, Papa Jack, who coached mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, and 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 Big Joe and Mr. Richard, yeah. and those guys helped me out so much. And of course, church. You know, they had me in church a lot. So, right. you know, it was a lot of people that that were that were male influences on me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and speaking of community and and um, and Wilmington in general. What is it about Wilmington that you love so much? Because clearly, with all the things that you've done and all the places that you've gone, you you stay here. You love it here. and But you can be successful anywhere. What is it about Wilmington that you love so much? Oh, man. I just I just love the people. It's where I grew up. I think I owe. And a lot of people say, would you ever leave? And I think I would if, if, the, if, if any opportunity afforded itself and made sense. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, it's the people mm. people i think Wilmington has so much potential yeah and i think it has certain people that are turning the ship and i think you know i, I hopefully i'm on the ship as it's turning and helping helping to turn it and, and create just a better community a better arts community yeah. a better uh, african-american community mm-hmm. uh as as you know young professionals come into our area They'll see us and, and be like, oh, we're the black people. You're like, well, we're right here. We're here. Let me show you where we're at, though. Right. Let me, right. Let me show you where we gather. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And then, then they're like, oh, okay. And I think you have to learn that that spot of it uh, that that makes sense for safe spaces for people. Right. Um, and right. so being in Wilmington, I think, is just uh, it's amazing space. It's an amazing place. It has 
uh, bukus and bukus of our history that means a lot to me. And uh, I'm just proud to be from a city that accepts me as who I am. Yeah. It accepts me as um, accepts me as a hopefully a leader, and uh, that that makes it makes it more comfortable for me to be here. Yeah. Awesome, and you know what? And you're so right because um, when I reached out to you, I remember reaching out to you. Uh, well, one of the the things that I've learned in just in life is to um, to introduce yourself. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't right. care what I got going on or what I don't have going on. I've learned to introduce myself to people. Find out. Everybody's using the word tribe these days. Find wherever your tribe is. You know right. what I mean? And 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 learn uh, um, how you can get around in that. Because I wasn't really, I wasn't totally sure. I mean, I love um, all, like you said, I love all the different people. I love the diversity here, but there is a part of me that also wants to connect to my own community as well. So I right. purposely reached out to people just so that I can be involved in whatever I need to, to be involved to continue to grow the city. So I hear you right. on that. I, I agree. So, well, again, I could talk to you all day. I, I, I promise you I could. I promise you I could uh, because your history in this city is so extensive, I, but I don't want to take too much more of your time. I hope one day that you can come back and share some more. Like, sure. Because I have like a ton of questions, but this interview can go on and on. And I'll be, on. Give me one more. Give me one more. Oh, gosh. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, my give gosh. What do you, I mean, we were talking about the, the, the growth of, of Wilmington. What, what would you like to see happen? What would you like to see happen here? If you, if you had your way and you had a crystal ball and you could say, I want this to be here or I want this to happen here, what would you say you would want that to be? Um, I think we need another Coliseum. Mm. I think we need another indoor Coliseum that is maybe not attached to the university or, or the community college. I think it should be city city yeah. run uh-huh um so so when we're finished with being outside at the new amphitheater then we can go inside and have shows in the winter um i think that draws folks into town um uh, so for example if you had something like a house of blues or something like a coliseum mm -hmm. and it was in jan in january mm -hmm. people would travel to wilmington to to be a part of that show or see that show Mm -hmm. But then, then stay the night because the beach rates would be very low. I, that's just one thing. Mm. Okay, I like. Yeah, I, 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 I want to see that moment. I also want to see us have some type of bridge program for kids. I won't say kids, teens, young adults okay. that want that want to get into the film industry and can go right in the back door. Okay, I love that. I love that. Yeah, a bridge, a bridge program where they're not, where they're not just extras, but they actually are grips and they're cameramen and women and and you know, production set design. I want to see all of that because so often we talk about how great it is, but why? I think our youth need to know and need to be a part of that that upbringing in the film community. I I so agree with you on that, and I don't know if you know this, uh, Brandon, that. Um, my sister and I own a talent agency out of Atlanta, Georgia, and we um, work with one of the uh, the biggest casting agencies here, Finn Cannon um, and Associates here. What's up, Finn Cannon? Yeah. <laughs> so we do um, help, you know, we have some talent that comes out here and they do filming and stuff like that. But I also agree with you because I was looking for like the filming community out here as well. And I think you have a great idea with with bridging that that gap between, you know, we just don't want people just to come here and work on the movies. I, I agree with you with um, them learning the, the the backstage part of everything, you know? Right, right. I think I think it's important. And who wouldn't want to do that? There's there's one young man uh -huh. that that I, I didn't really grow up with him, but I knew him. Uh, he went to Laney. And his name is Anthony Hemingway. He did that. He was in a program that, you know, his mom actually worked at, on we call it 23rd Street. And at that time, it wasn't Screen Gems. It's Dilo De Laurentiis okay. film, film Studios. And um, Anthony went on. He was a grip. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he did some other stuff, and he went on to be the associate producer for The Wire. Um, wow. He just what what has Anthony? He did uh, Red Tails. He was a director for Red Tails. He did uh, oh man, he did some some directing on Empire and mm-hmm. CSI LA. And mm-hmm. man, I'm trying to think. The last thing he did was the uh, Aretha Franklin. He directed the Aretha Franklin series on Hulu. But you're talking about a guy oh. from from Wilmington, North Carolina. You see, it, it's so much potential here. Yeah. So much potential here. And and listen, I, I really want, I mean, we can get together at another time. I really would love Definitely. to be a part of, of just growing the city. Just growing the yeah, city, definitely. whatever experience, you know, the little experience that I have, well, you know, that I have in, in multiple different things. I just would love to help in any way that I can. Definitely. Let's do that. Let's do All that. Right. Well, it sounds like a winner. But anyway, guys, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you get back to entertaining and, and, and dance and let people dance and, <laughs> Man. and do that thing and do that thing. But I thank you again so much for joining me on the show. And I, I do want you to come back, okay? I'm back. Let's do it. All right. All right, All right. guys. So thank you again, Big B, for joining us today on What You Do in Wilmington. And um, y'all can continue to listen, talk to with, and party with him. And remember, home is where the heart is, and my heart is in Wilmington. I'll talk to you guys later. Big B, I'll talk to you later, okay? Holla!